0: views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe on Live 95.
1: Now we are speaking this morning about the plans by Gardaí to step up efforts to ensure people seeking refuge in Ireland are boarding their flight with the correct documentation because Justice Minister Simon Harris says the government is working to accelerate the processing of asylum seeker applications. And the CEO of Durris, John Lannan, is with us now in studio to speak to us about this. Good morning to you, John. You're very welcome to the studio. Um, John, before we, we start on this, though, I have to ask you about the the earthquake in Turkey, because with your work in Durris, uh, I think something like that must have... Um, it has a big impact on all of us but from your perspective what are your thoughts on it?
0: Absolutely, our hearts go out to the people who have lost loved ones and have lost family members over there in Turkey and Syria and um, we've had quite a few people who come into to us or, or called in desperation because they weren't able to um, reach people that they were trying to um, and they didn't know what had happened to them or if they were still alive. We've one man whose family are thankfully alive in the city of Latakia in Syria but they're outside in the freezing cold with absolutely nothing and they're afraid to go back to their house because of the likelihood of aftershocks
1: And that is a real threat
0: That is a real threat, it is indeed I believe that this can happen for for months if not up to a year after the initial major shocks
1: Yeah, it's, it's a dreadful story and it's one that's all over our papers, our news channels and one that's going to continue There are, I think, some estimations that the death toll could rise and even double from what it is now
0: it It seems it could yes, there are a lot of people still missing a lot of people buried and um it's quite a devastating and and difficult situation for so many people
1: so what can you do for anybody here that has family in Turkey or Syria that's affected
0: so we're we're um first of all trying to assist people who want to travel to try to meet family members or maybe family members have died so we're, we're arranging that for, for some people it's difficult for people who are in the international protection system because they don't have papers to travel so they're left here on their own they had hoped to be able to bring their families after they were granted refugee status from Syria for example but that may not happen now for them it's really difficult for people who are in a situation where they're cut off from family members they've already had to go through their own displacement, perhaps persecution perhaps torture at the hands of the regime in Syria and now they're left wondering if family members are alive or dead or if they'll ever see them again
1: and with that happening at the same time we have other things happening here in this country in reaction to people coming to live here and we'll talk about that in a minute but sort of out of that there was the news report last week that up to 5,000 people had arrived here last year with either false or no documents at all and the Minister for Justice Simon Harris has said they're going to step up and make sure that they have correct documents and passports and I know you were on our news bulletins yesterday saying that that doesn't always work. Remind us why. Yes, indeed.
0: Um, First of all, I mean, it's it's important to acknowledge, I guess, that we do have an accommodation shortage here. The government faces challenges when it comes to providing accommodation for asylum seekers and for refugees. We've also had years of slow processing of asylum applications here in Ireland. But the solution isn't to try to stop people from seeking international protection. Um, That could potentially block people whose only way of escaping um, from persecution or from from war is to to get to a safe country like, like Ireland. And we know from our work that there are many cases where people have had to use false um, documentation in order to travel. Um, the, the figure that's reported is just over 4,000 people who um didn't lose or destroy their documentation but I think the statement was that they had not presented documentation when they arrived and um, there are plenty of reasons why that might happen. Um, The first one being that if you've already escaped from a brutal regime you're not going to present papers to the first state official that you see when you arrive off a plane or you're you're at an airport. Um, The other the realities are that there are people who are trafficked who have no documentation. There are people whose documentation was stolen or it might have been lost. We've seen boats um, capsizing coming across the Mediterranean. You know, it's not easy to save your possessions when, when that's happening. So there there are lots of reasons. People very often can't get passports or documentation from the authorities that they're trying to escape from. Syria being an example. So... When we say that people are arriving without documentation, that also gives the impression that people here are, are, are arriving illegally. But it's important to remember that everybody has a right to seek international protection. And if I could just say that even, you know, our own International Protection Act, it recognizes that because it says any person who is at the frontier of the state or who is in the state, whether lawfully or unlawfully, may make an application for international protection.
1: Do you think that there's a knee-jerk reaction by people when they hear somebody has faults or no documentation that automatically that person must be a threat? There
0: there appears to be. And, you know, we we need to be really careful about the language that we use. And we've even heard government um, representatives coming out with worrying Um, terminology and usage and referring to people coming here illegally you know we've also heard reference to people being economic migrants you know anybody who comes here seeking asylum is here lawfully they have a legal right to be in the country because they've made an application for international protection they're not illegal they're not economic migrants and and other terminology then like saying that people are not vetted is is also a misrepresentation of the situation because most of us in this country are not vetted i'd have to say that international protection applicants are probably some of the most documented people in the country because when they come in they have to give um identify themselves they have to say where they've come from they have to give a whole range of other information while they're making their application for asylum
1: here i I suppose the average person is looking at it from the point of view of that, you know, I can't go to Lanzarote on my holidays without well, I'm not I don't mean the average person's going there on their holidays, but you can't go there without a passport. You know, you can't get we can't get get anywhere without a passport. So people are understandably just a little bit mystified how people have managed to get here without valid passports because you're checked at every um place you you go through in any travel uh, situation, whether it be by boat or by plane?
0: I think the important thing to note there is that um, people are checked And the airline companies and the other carriers do not allow people on without having documentation. In some cases, that documentation may be false because the individuals carrying it had no choice but to carry false documentation in order to get to safety. So we we have to be really careful to ensure that we don't differentiate between people who have been carrying passports, people who have not been carrying passports before they arrived here in Ireland seeking asylum.
1: Talk to me about the protests you've seen happening in Dublin and your concerns around them.
0: Well, as I said, there's no doubt that um, there is a challenge for the government when it comes to providing accommodation for... Um, asylum seekers, international protection applicants, but also beneficiaries of temporary protection from Ukraine. And we, we've seen right across the country, and particularly in Dublin, that there were um, protests that I'd have to say were either encouraged or in some cases organised by the far right. Now it's one thing to have um, questions about the availability of services if several hundred more people arrive into a community. But it's a another thing entirely to stand outside a centre where women and children are Inside looking out the window, frightened and screaming abuse and screaming obscenities at them from the street. There's no place for that at all. It's perfectly reasonable to have recent discussion about what additional resources, what additional services are needed in a community in order to be able to welcome and accommodate to provide for, for asylum seekers, but not to take out frustrations that people have on those people that are in the hotels. If there are frustrations, if there is anger, and no doubt there are plenty of reasons here in Ireland for that, with terms of housing, health services, and so on, then there are channels, there are ways to vent those frustrations. Going to local representatives, going to the government, bringing the challenges there, but not against Things innocent people. Things like
1: the, 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 the UHL protest that we saw. Absolutely, um, yes. A couple there of weeks there is a the the right to, in to and, yeah. and there
0: always should be a right yeah. to protest peacefully in this country, but it has to be peacefully. It has to be targeted properly.
1: John, we've seen certainly in terms of Ukrainian refugees, thousands have arrived in Limerick and they've been housed in various different places, uh, in Newcastle West, here in the city um, uh, I know St. Munchen's Community centres doing great work with them here. I know uh, another group has arrived in Clarina and Ballybrannan. Everywhere we've heard great stories about how they've been welcomed, you know, yeah. and uh, integrated into the community and real positive stories of the, you know, the kids settling in, in well at school and making friends and that kind of thing. Would you have any concerns that that, uh, you know, that mood might, might change in Limerick? C- could you see what has happened in Dublin happening here?
0: I, I think the welcome that Irish people across the board have shown for people that have been escaping from Ukraine has been phenomenal. And as you say, Limerick has really stepped up as has lots of other parts of the the country. Um, there, there are issues in terms of the sustainability of the accommodation um, and right now there's an over-reliance on the hospitality sector. We do need government to put together a national plan to ensure that there is long-term sustainable accommodation for refugees from Ukraine or asylum seekers from other parts of the world so that integration not just the reception and the accommodation works for communities but that longer term integration also works so that we ensure that people have access to education that they have access to employment and so on and i do think that communities as i said are are willing to play their part as well and to welcome people and to make sure that they do fit and work
1: do you think that there's a racism element to Uh, some of the objections and some of the protests because we have seen perhaps welcoming when it comes to Ukrainian people who might be more similar to uh, us as uh, Irish Europeans. We have a lot in common with them culturally. Um, And when they are coming from other parts of the world and when it's people of colour sometimes the reaction can be different.
0: It's really important that There is no differentiation between people escaping from persecutions or wars in different parts of the world. We know now that we've had tens of thousands of people who have had to leave Ukraine and make their way to Ireland and other parts of Europe. But the same thing has been happening with Syria. There is brutal war happening in Yemen. There are other parts of the world in Africa, in the Middle East, in Asia, where people equally have had to escape. They've had to make their way to safety. We have um, seen Afghanistan for example you know there are parts of Pakistan that are unsafe large parts of it so again it's really important that we recognize and we understand that this person's skin color or the language that they speak should not um, determine the extent of the welcome that we give um, to, to people here it's important that refugees from everywhere in any part of the world are made welcome in Ireland
1: John, I've heard you um, on airwaves, on lots of different national radio stations as well. You're the go-to person on a lot of these issues because Durris is the go-to organisation. It started here in Limerick. Do you think that says anything about, you know, Limerick people being maybe a little bit, and maybe this is us patting ourselves on the back, a bit, a cut above when it comes to welcoming people from all parts of the world?
0: Well, Indeed, you're you're right. Doris has been around since the year 2000 when um, a a group of people got together and, and said that they were going to be proactive about ensuring that new communities and new people were welcome in Limerick. That was incidentally back in the year that the direct provision system was started. On a temporary basis, they said back then for six months, here we are, um, 22, 23 years later, when not only do we still have direct provision, but the system of accommodation and for refugees and asylum seekers has got even worse. But through the last um, 23 years, you know, communities in Limerick have remained Um, open, have remained welcoming. We've had um, great engagement through structures like the Integration Working Group that has brought agencies together. The um, Limerick Council have certainly played their part as well. But right down to communities, to to ordinary people just doing what they can to ensure that everybody is welcoming in the community. Um, And it's interesting, you know, I found myself, I I grew up in, in Roscommon, I came to Limerick, I have to say that I found it welcoming and open Open as well, and the same thing is the case for people from other parts of the world, and long may it continue. But we always have to be um, mindful of the fact that there are um, small numbers of people that are trying to undermine, they're trying to destabilise, they're trying to stoke um, and distract, fears and and, 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 and racism for their own the agenda, problems. and and the far right have to be um, checked. They they have to be. Um, they have to be called out by communities. Communities have to say that Mm -hmm. there's no place for that within um, their circles. Um, We do need to see better messaging from government. We need Mm -hmm. to see national campaigns around the, the messaging and the Um, the resources that communities have need to be bolstered as well, because we can't expect communities and we can't expect organisations within communities to be able to continue to support asylum seekers or refugees without having the resources to do that. Okay,
1: John Lannan from Durst, CEO of Durst. Thank you so much for joining us on Limerick Today this morning. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nett on Live 95.